This is the Terence and Emma podcast, all about relationships and seeing things differently. Well, welcome to the podcast, TNM Seeing Things Differently. This is a podcast based around the topic of relationships. I am Emma Mullings. I'm Terence Mullings. And uh, we are married and have been for 10 years and we have four kids. We both work in media, are both musicians, both love God, both passionate about helping people. And we're not different, Emma. We're not that different before you say it. (laughs) But we're complete opposites. Perfectly compatible. Compatible, but complete opposites. Everything from our upbringing to how we like our food. Do you like chocolate? Yes. Because I bought four magnums the other like night, put them in the chocolate. fridge. <laughs> what is dark chocolate? Hey. That's not even real chocolate. Shush. You buy that healthy chocolate. It's, it just defeats the purpose. I actually want to live to see my grandchildren. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking steps towards that. Continue. I did eat two magnums back to back the other night. But anyway. Let's yeah, we have that in common. That's what I'm saying. We both love chocolate. Okay. All right. Well, we're still married and we think relationships are incredibly important. Not just marriage relationships, but all kinds of relationships. They're the glue to life, baby. So so we thought we'd uh, do this podcast, have a chat, throw each other under the bus, <laughs> share our stories, have a laugh. And, um, and get some of the best guests in to make sure experts. they prove that Terence, <laughs> my opinion, is the right opinion. And today we're glad and very pleased to welcome back Colette Smart. Now, she is a psychologist. She's a qualified teacher, lecturer, writer. I'd almost keep her on par with Jesus because she's just <laughs> helping us raise healthy no. kids right now. Look, Look, you do have 20 years experience working both in private, public schools. So you've seen a lot when it comes to uh, raising kids, what works, what doesn't work. And we just want to share that with everyone so we can actually do the journey well, build some healthy kids and build some healthy relationships. Thank you for having me back. Good to I, have you I back. I love hearing your, your stories because they're so similar to mine in the sense my husband and I are very, very different. Uh, we've been married 23 years, but mm-hmm. he and I are opposites. He's he's an absolute extrovert. I'm an introvert. He likes dark chocolate. <laughs> I like normal, normal everyday See? real chocolate. <laughs> yes, yes. I, just, I just love how the dark chocolate is aberrant and not normal and the milk chocolate yep. becomes a normal. Absolutely. Now, Colette, we're having you back because you were such a wealth of wisdom on the last podcast and you're back due to popular demand. We'll probably get you back again actually after this. But we want to talk a little bit today about rules and boundaries with our kids and being on the same page as parents because that that seems to be a huge issue actually in relationships, in marriages when parents are not on the same page. It causes a lot of tension in their relationship. Yeah, Um, like you know when you're raising your kids and you want to say no and the husband says no no, and that's final. But the mum says, well, if you do this, she bribes them. Wow. She bribes them. If you do this, you'll get a treat or I you'll get a chocolate. And about. consistently our children are stuffing down sugar down their mouths because my dear wife thinks to get them to do something, she has to put a reward of chocolate. Is that healthy? Mm, I, I, I'm refraining from getting involved in this conversation. That probably, that probably wasn't the angle we wanted to go. Probably not, but that's okay. We'll, um, we'll save that for the marriage counsellor. Okay, yeah. so to start, Colette, why do rules and boundaries for kids matter? Well, whenever I run a seminar, uh, I actually put up a quote on boundaries and the 
the quote is it's anonymous but it's you are free to choose but you are not free from the consequences of your choice Uh, and for me boundaries boundaries are are incredibly important children learn boundaries and consequences they learn to hold back they learn to respect others in the home first it's the first place that they learn that other people matter as well that the world doesn't revolve around them and so at home we have to be thinking of uh, what I said in the last podcast was parent with your child's future adult in mind Mm -hmm. because you are raising an adult who needs to know that the choices that they make will have consequences on themselves, on other people. So they learn that in the soft environment of home, in a place that they are loved and cared for, that you have their best interests at heart. You're not giving them consequences or boundaries to be cruel. That is not being loving. You're giving consequences and boundaries to teach them life lessons Mm. and and also to know how to exercise self-control. Can you expand on the future parent concept? Because when you said that before, I thought it's actually quite deep. So are you saying that if I see, is it the values you're talking about? You see these as, you know, contributing citizens in society who love people who care, or it's like I see my son as, you know, for example, an engineer or a pastor or a doctor, and I I want to gear them towards that. How do you do that? I'm very glad you asked that question because uh, I usually expand on that and say it's not the specifics. We're not saying, we're not trying to channel our children into a specific career path or uh, to be rich or whatever it might be it's actually the character of the adult that we are looking at I want my child to become a a adult with values that that show I care about others uh, I give to society uh, I know how to be selfless when I need to be selfless so it's really about the the moral character of that future adult I was there hoping we wow. could create the next Beyonce and, uh, and live <laughs> Sorry, off the royalties no. off our little girl or the next Roger Federer but okay no that's not it so wow. character is more important <laughs> yes, than that yes it is okay Colette you've talked about tell me if I don't have this correct authoritarian, authoritative, and permissive parenting styles. Yep. Explain. So, <laughs> right. So uh, there's, there's studies on, there's a lot out there in the psychology world on these parenting styles. Essentially, the authoritarian parent is the parent who says, it's my way, I'm the boss, I'm the ruler, you may not question anything that I say, uh, I will punish you if you even squeak or peep or do anything differently it's really a a restrictive it's bad (laughs) it's a really restrictive way of parenting those children often end up either totally rebelling afterwards they or they end up neurotic or uh, with a lot of anxiety or stress Mm. various issues that kind of parenting style actually does not work authoritarian authoritarian okay then there's the permissive style which i call the parent rather than the parent Mm -hmm. so you become your child's peer your child's bff best friend forever Uh, children don't need another bff Mm. they need a parent they've got friends at school they've got friends at sport they need you to be the adult Mm. they need you to role model things but also to have boundaries that say i am putting this around you because i love you boundaries say I love you. I care about you. Boundaries make children feel safe. Mm. There's plenty of studies to show that. So this, the parenting style that is shown to be the best parenting style is the authoritative parenting style. So it's it's about 
uh, showing your children that you love them, that you care for them, that there's boundaries in place because you care. They don't have equal say in the home with things like, say, where the finances go or whatever time they feel like going to bed because you know as a parent what's healthy for bedtime or what's healthy for eating. However, children can have a say in the house where they can voice their opinion when they're not happy. But you you teach them when you debate some of my rules, we talk about it respectfully. You don't yell and scream and have a tantrum. Mm -hmm. You know, as a 15-year-old, you're not having a tantrum like you did at two. Teach them that as they get older, they can become more independent. We start to listen to their opinions more. We value their opinions. It's still remembering your child is still the child. They're not the adult. Mm. Uh, And so I'm just careful about that because then you're getting into the parent territory. And so you're saying the difference between the authoritarian and the authoritative is that the authoritarian says, no, my way or the highway, but the authoritative says, here is why it's my way. What do you think? It has a little bit of banter, allows some leeway. Yes. And and some things your children will say, I disagree. Um, No, I, I want to go to bed at two in the morning. And that's when you go, well, darling, I'm the mum, and that is the time you step up and you go, I know what the, the studies say about health for sleeping, uh, having healthy bedtimes, that it's bad for your mental health, it's bad for your physical health to not sleep or not mm. eat well. Uh, so those things, I'm sorry, that's not negotiable. But it's allowing them to have a voice and you debate it. But then some things as a parent you will, you'll see even as your children hit primary or high school, some of your boundaries will change or shift slightly. You may always say you have to be home at 10, but it's your child's best friend's party and they say, Mom, I want to help them clean up a little bit afterwards. Could you pick me up at 11? That's when you are a little bit more bending in the rule. You don't say, well, it's 10. I'm sorry, it's always 10. And so that's what I mean about negotiating. How do you do the scale? Because I remember <laughs> I've got an older sister who's two years older and my dad was so strict on her. And so she could not understand how I came around and I was allowed to, as a, first of all, as a, a boy, be able to go out later, stay out later, try a sip of daddy's wine a little bit earlier than her. How do you manage that? Because you've got your 16-year-old, is 13 or 15. Uh, 15. 15 and then the 10-year-old. Yes. The 10-year-old must look and go, well, how come they're allowed to? Yes. And how do you manage that? So when my 10-year-old says, why can't I go to bed at 10 o'clock because my older brother who's 17 can go to bed at 11 or whatever in the school holidays, for example, then I say to him, well, you're not 17. When Jason was 10, he also went to bed early. However, as parents, we uh, you're also parents of, of more than one child and you know that you are you are probably the hardest on your first because you're learning and you're mm. figuring out. But I always say to my oldest, there's things that you get and privileges you get because you're the oldest. So, so there are benefits and negatives to being the oldest. Sometimes you are our lab rat, um, but in other ways you, you also have benefited. And then the youngest also, you you can be a bit softer on the youngest, sometimes a little bit too much. So I'm very big on on looking at particularly shows that younger kids watch. Sometimes parents can get a little bit too relaxed because the oldest is watching a MA show and the eight-year-old is wandering around. I actually talk to my oldest and say, you are responsible for your little brother. You were not allowed to watch that when you were younger. I'm not being soft on him and going, oh, well, you know, Jason's watching that. Well, it's too bad. Um, So we have to be careful a little bit with our youngest that we don't let things slide more. Mm, That's really good advice. But they do do also get the 
the benefit of our practice as parents. So there are areas we are less hard on them because we've learned, okay, maybe I was a little bit too hard on my oldest, so this wasn't a game breaker for Mm. my youngest. So Colette, when do we start with the boundaries? When do we start that process? Well, I think boundaries start the minute uh, your child can um, speak and start to exert themselves. I mean, we we even do safety boundaries. The minute your child can crawl or or move, we're doing boundaries, baby-proofing the house. That is a boundary because we love our kids. Mm. It's called a cage. We put them in a cage. (laughs) (laughs) Or we put them on those leashes like little dogs. (laughs) I've but never even, used a leash, no, just for I. the record. But <laughs> even, the, even the play pens, I mean, there was a big thing uh, when one of my, I can't remember which one, but one of them were young. It was There was this big thing about, oh, it's so cruel, and now the play pens are back in fashion. <laughs> but we realised it actually is a safety. Sometimes mm. the mum's cooking, and she's got a tiny baby, and she needs the child who's just started moving around to be somewhere safe and entertained. There's toys in the play pen, and so they're there in a boundary where mum can keep an eye on them plus breastfeed or whatever it might be. So Mm. uh, we start boundaries from then, not letting your children run across the street. Uh, And then we start things once our children really can start understanding, you know, boundaries around bedtimes, boundaries around uh, smartphone access or devices or TV. Well, here's the thing. So right now, uh, as we're doing this podcast, our kids are down with the grandparents in Wagga Wagga and they both have This is for the first time, actually. For the first time. uh, All three of them away, which is great. We had a date night last night. Oh, yes. For the first time in a long time. (laughs) And we're doing a relationships podcast. (laughs) There you go. But right now they are, just so we can communicate with them and we just thought because (laughs) I think um, the the kids weren't allowed up because they got up so early in Wagga Wagga because the the room that they're in, the light comes in. So break of dawn, five o'clock, they're up. Oh, man, poor um, grandma. Yeah, poor grandma. So grandpa was like, you are not allowed to wake up until seven o'clock. <laughs> so my po- <laughs> That's Jamaican. But yes. my poor daughter was traumatized. She's like, grandpa said we can't get up. So Emma actually gave them these iPads so they could actually text and communicate to us. Okay. So right now they actually do have these devices in their room. And they did. we did say to them, you can't use them for anything else apart from that. But just before I left to come back to Sydney, I saw that my daughter was watching this YouTube show. And I'm trying to work out what are the boundaries and how do you manage that? Because right now I trust her. And I know the only thing she's going to watch is uh, a dancing show. And my son, he'll just look up turtles. He's just obsessed about turtles. <laughs> it's very random. But I I know at their fingertips, they could at any time pick up anything. And I don't want to ban them from the devices either because I know every other kid learns and they're they're so technologically advanced. How do I find that happy medium? So really my, uh, even with my youngest, he doesn't have YouTube on any of his devices. Um, He can see some of the YouTube if he looks through my device. Okay. Uh, So the 10-year-old this is. Yeah, because as much as as I know, he will not go and seek things out. The stuff will will find him. Mm. The stuff's looking for him. Mm, And so, uh, so I am quite strict in terms of technology not being in bedrooms and and that gets negotiated as our kids get older so my 17 year old now he's becoming a man he has to start taking ownership for some of his own choices on on media Uh, and so you do let the reins out as your kids get older but with little children uh, particularly around technology I'm much stricter with boundaries so there's lots of things set up apps are blocked on my son's 
little son's device that he have has to come to me. I don't know if we've actually put any blocks on yeah. them, have we? No. I, I, That's a good thing to do. Well, it's interesting. I, maybe I'm quite naive because I, I was fortunate enough not to be ex- exposed to any porn at a young age, that sort of stuff. But talking, especially when I came to university and even high school, I was quite shocked about how early it seemed yeah. that some of my friends uh, were introduced to pornography, whether it was the magazines, but computers, because that was our generation. That was when it was yeah. coming up. Is there a certain age where you are finding that teenagers are being exposed to porn because there's no healthy boundaries? They're not teenagers They're anymore. They're not teenagers. Um, t- around 10, yeah. 10 or 11 10. years old is the first time kids are, uh, or the average age kids yes. are exposed. So some are exposed earlier, uh, and it's often accidental, and it's when children are type pornographers are very clever mm. so they a lot of their uh, sites have got children's cartoon character names uh, so you, you know children will, will be misspelling things like Dora the Explorer and they'll be on a porn site really? so my son's iPad he needs an That's iPad horrific. for school it is and it's intentional because it's an addiction so they, they want to hook the young kids, kids young. in yeah. early because that's their future revenue. Clientele, mm. yeah. And so my, my son has to have an iPad for school. So in the holidays, I completely uh, switch off Safari. So he can't mm. even Google on Safari. Uh, at school, I know when he goes into Safari, they've got a whole lot of blocks at the school. Yep. I've got various um, blocking software yep. uh, blocking software I use on his device. But does that restrict them from actually exploring and growing and learning? But like they don't not need to. They don't need to at this age. He will at school when yep. he needs it. Uh, but like I said, um, I've mentioned before the Mission Australia uh, surveys that even teenagers say they will go to a person before before the internet for advice. My worry is if we mm. aren't there for our children, then they're going to the internet. That's a good point. And when our children are interested, just trying to discover their bodies changing or, or sex or whatever, they Google sex and bam, they hit with this hardcore stuff which is something they weren't initially looking for. They were just curious about the word or mm. a word they've heard on the playground. And so there, there's a police commissioner in the UK who said p- parents who don't think this is a problem are either willfully ignorant or willfully stupid. Mm. And so really, even on your child's iPad or phone, but talking about little children, uh, you can set age restrictions. So mm. my son can't even look up an app that is not that is anything older than nine plus so yeah, he, he okay. can't download apps which means he can't download youtube because youtube is now a 17 plus app because they know the, really? of the content yeah wow because because right now i mean my daughter pretty much watches everything mummy watches which is uh googling america's got talent and watching all the big singers and the big voices which <laughs> she, she loves that in the dancing but when it comes to policing that uh, the boundaries that we do have in place which I don't think I've done is actually gone and looking through their history yes. so I don't think they're old enough to know that you can actually have yep. a browsing history yep. and look at it so okay they so learn that's that something pretty we quickly need to... yep so yeah those kind of boundaries are, are for me technology boundaries are, are the new boundaries of our, our generation and it's something as parents we're all figuring out parents have have no idea the content that is on things like instagram and and mm. youtube get your kids to download the youtube kids app rather yep. and if they're going to watch other things they've got to be in your presence yes mm. um, you know what i really love what you said Pete? children will actually go to people first then devices and i think sometimes i mean right now my son's jeremiah seven years old he actually thinks daddy is the ceo of the universe and yes. knows everything 
because I he said but if I ever say I don't know he's like but daddy you said you know you everything know. he that's what he literally yeah. says that to both so, of us so but I'm, you said you know everything no, no. hang on did you say that to you as well yes he does I told him it was me <laughs> <laughs> I love that they feel that they can come to us because we do know everything and I guess sometimes I feel because life is so full and you get tired it's like you say oh tell you later or something like this you I, I feel convicted not to do that to actually be the voice where I can answer or I can search with them and teach yeah. them how to find the answer correctly. Yeah, and, and I think uh, it's it's all about teaching children how to put on blocks, how, talking to them about what, what comes up, people that are out there that might sound like they're 13 year, years old. Children are very naive and, and we hold back telling them some of those things because we don't want them to be afraid. Mm. But there's there's a fine line between not telling them enough and then, you know, and then not being afraid, but putting them in danger. And because we know kids are exposed to so much more than they ever were, particularly boys, boys are exposed at younger and younger ages to pornography now and seek it out more than girls do, although girls also do more than we ever thought. Once they start to get exposed to it, we have to uh, we have to realize that, and a lot of them won't engage because they, they know there's something wrong with it, so they don't tell. Mm. Uh, and so we have to start having those conversations and putting the blocks in before. So when, before at what age, at what age do you, do you start? The minute your child starts using iPads and, and knows how to Google your phone or mm. Google on your phone, uh, or if they have their own device, that is when blocks should be in place already. You should be getting onto their onto their device and putting things on. Done. Mm. Homework wow. for me to do. There you go. Get those blocks and get those restrictions. It's very interesting. On the topic of the smart devices, because I, but I'm assuming you are on the same page. If it's a good thing, include me. <laughs> Just include me. We, let me. Let me look good. <laughs> I felt very strongly, we felt very strongly about uh, our children not having any devices. And then someone bought them for them for Christmas. Oh, wow. So we were put in a situation which was a very generous present. Yes. And uh, we allowed them to, to keep them. But, yeah, that was kind of thrust upon us uh, only recently. Mm. Yeah. And the truth is most of their friends had them. Yeah. yeah. And they were really the only ones that didn't. But still, it hadn't really raised that many issues. But, yeah, but then they were given them as a gift. So yeah. this is kind of a territory we've kind of been thrown into. It's like, oh, okay. So so most schools, if there's if schools have a, a tablet or a, an iPad, they get kids to go through an entire cyber safety, cyber license uh, where they go through steps, and if they if they don't get them right, they don't they they can't get their cyber license until they know all wow. the answers. And if they breach something, even so, so in my children's school, for example, they're not allowed to take a photo of another child on their iPad. Mm. And if they get all excited and one day you know take a photo, even if it's it's usually completely innocent, they lose their license for a week, and they're not allowed to use their the iPad for the week at school because schools are starting to see the fallout of kids not understanding. So it's not too late. I had to go to the school because there was a young boy who took a picture of my daughter inappropriately. I mean, unleash. I mean, I was about to punch out a little six-year-old. Like, honestly, as a father, I was like, you get very protective. You do. And and Emma had to say, well, Terence, he's six. You can't really do that. So we worked out another alternative, which is to go through the proper channels and talk to the principal, et cetera. But yeah, I think the boundaries (laughs) are important and teaching because I think it's easy to get so tired. You just go, oh, whatever, just play with this device. I mean, one thing we have done is not take them out to dinners if we're eating out because I know many parents and no judgment the kids are so go- 
what's the word I'm looking for? Flamboyant that they need some distraction at dinner. Yeah. But yeah, I think it's hard because sometimes you look at other families, you think, oh, I need to, you know, it's okay for them or the kid, these other kids have it. So you feel like, okay, do I need to sort of bow? When yeah, you- and I think I think we we using technology too much. I, I, there's some very recent studies again that have come out to say that uh, technology is exacerbating mental health problems. It's not the cause, mm. but the people, young people, particularly girls, uh, are becoming more and more uh, affected by social media in the sense that it's affecting their depression and anxiety uh, because they tend to escape more to it and then don't engage with people. Mm. And so, uh, and then all the things that they're looking at uh, feed their anxiety or their inadequacies. And so, so what exactly? What do you mean, for, like for a female, like young girl, feeding that? So they follow all the celebrities, whoever it might be, Beyonce or um, Tay Tay. Yeah, all of those, and and they all seem to have these perfect lives. As girls also look at all their friends' lives, and the girls, most young people take fifty, sometimes a hundred photos before they choose the one they post. <laughs> Uh, wow. And and how do they actually watched, have time to do that? Oh whoa! I mean, I've watched my own. <laughs> that would take a lot of time. Well, I've watched my own kids and and their friends. They they do that when they're on the beach. They mm. they take hundreds of mm. pictures and then pick the perfect one. But then when they're looking at their friends' photos on Instagram, they forget. Teens need reminding yeah. that other people are doing that, and they forget that that is. Not the, their friends' lives aren't ideal. They've also said taken a hundred photos. We totally. found they mm. found totally. the perfect one. Um, so it is the whole really, thing of you know the seeing the hi- yeah seeing fear of missing out. Yep. It's seeing someone's highlight reel and yes. forgetting. Hey, f- there's the highlight reel. These are the best bits. A lot happened behind the scenes Absolutely to actually get right. to this mm. point. Absolutely. I mean, even as a husband, I, I have to uh, check before I post a photo of my wife to <laughs> yes. make sure that's the right one. <laughs> He actually did show me a photo last night and he said, do you mind if I post this? And I was, you know, I'm pregnant and I was in a bikini on the beach and I said, oh, can you like do one with a little less like what's going on there, back fat? And and he's like, no, 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 this will, no, no, you need to show women that this is totally normal. I'm like, oh gosh, okay. All right. Well, it's true. You Honestly, I think it. even right. even though as adults sometimes we feel that, okay, um, we know that Everyone's either doctored a photo, photoshopped it, etc. But I think challenge we That's feel the true, pressure. That's not true, Terence. Actually, I'm sorry. Not, not a lot. Not not everyone retouches and. Oh, you don't have photos. to because you're beautiful, perfect. But I mean, <laughs> but I know. No, I'm just saying there are a lot of women who feel passionately about not doing They're that to photos. Doing, but young girls, young yes. girls are a lot of young girls. They choose the right angle, the right mm. lighting, the right everything. And that's the key. Look, even yeah. as a guy, so just had to drop this one in there. I did the uh, Men's Health Man of the Year 2012. <clears throat> Mm. Did, did you hear that? The Men's Health Man of the Year 2012. Did you hear the year? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, a while. it was a while ago. I'm still hanging on to those days. But interestingly, you realise, so most of those guys and the photos we took for the magazine, I mean, we are flexing. Most of those guys didn't drink any water for wow. about 24 hours. They took so many stuff to dehydrate themselves. So the image we see, and I know this, I can do certain angles where I look like I'm 22 pre- weeks pregnant like Emma, but other angles I look like I'm... <laughs> You know, Zac Efron. Yeah, and yeah. so it's it, it's interesting, even as a guy, I, you question, I don't want to post a bad shot about myself. Yeah. Boys, are, boys are more and more insecure now as well. 
Totally. You don't yep. want to post a bad picture yourself. So you put this image out where it's like, it's actually, I'm sucking in and I need to take a breath. Yep. But you put the image out there to everyone else and it just perpetuates. Yep. How do we, I mean, it's not about children, but how do you break that cycle? Sorry, Emma, I know I'm on a tangent. You, <laughs> you give are me the on a finger. Tangent. Yeah, and, and for teens, it's just talking and reminding them, reminding them and, and reminding your teen. And that's where it comes back to boundaries, having break time saying when when we're on holiday on the beach we even enforce it with my teens and us we say right when we're going on the beach now we're not going to have our phones for an hour we're just going to walk and we're going to do stuff when you're at the table we're not having it having the the phone at the table no technology in bedrooms at night my husband and i've begun to model that because you can think as a parent, well, I'm not going to, you know, blah, blah, blah. But when my one of my teens said, well, why can you have your phone next to your bed and I can't? Now, as an adult, we know uh, we're too sleep deprived and exhausted to answer the, the text or check our Instagram at two in the morning. Teens need to check that. Teens are so sleep deprived because mm. of the amount of time they're checking. However, we decided we were going to model because our children's devices are expected to be all be plugged outside at night. Mm. We're doing the same. Wow. So we are modeling the boundary with our children. So what do you um, use for an alarm clock? Sorry, a, just practically. A, a normal, cheapy Kmart alarm clock. Wow. <laughs> so, Kai, bringing it back to for the parents that are listening who this might all be, you know, raise some questions for them and they're thinking, okay, where do we start? Talk to us about knowing our values as parents, having a parenting mantra, where to kick this off. Yeah. So so I, I've already said my parenting mantra is parent with your child's future adult in mind, whatever it might be. It's just the two of you as parents coming together on the same page. That even starts before you have children. Mm. You start to discuss some of the big issues about what do we both believe about sleep times or technology or bedtimes or... What do you believe about sleep times, Emma? (laughs) Well, interesting you bring that up, Colette, (laughs) because Terence, this has been a bit of a source of tension for us. I want to go to bed early. Uh, Terence likes to stay up very late. He comes alive I'm learning, at night. Because I, I have been generally a night owl and I do yeah. get the, the creative juices flowing at that time of night. So I want to stay up and do stuff. Colette, and- I even did a sign above our bed that said, bedtime, 9.30, lights out at 10. I literally put a sign. <laughs> that is not what the sign said. The sign said... Uh, shop is shut at nine o'clock. Get in before. <laughs> I've also said that too. I've tried all kinds of things yeah. to try and get him to bed early. So anyway, and, we and put- so yeah, and and that is you. You're talking about boundaries between the two of you, or uh, things that work for both of you in your marriage, and that will that changes. I think we also get unrealistic where we think, well, before we get married or we be, before we have this baby, we're going to set our boundaries, and and that's going to be it. Some of the Big issues might might be the non-negotiables, but things will change. You need to be flexible to an extent with your boundaries as your children change, as their ages change, as you get more children. You're um, you're further ahead in this journey than us yes. and probably most people. What are, because I think the biggest challenge for me and Emma, and Emma and I and most parents parenting children, what are those big issues? Because sometimes we can major on the minors yes. or we don't know. So if you, you mentioned what is the bedtime and being in agreement yep. on that. What are others, some of the big ones you've experienced in your journey that you need to be on the same page as parents? Well, it depends on you and your personality and your, your spouse's personality. For some parents, the lolly thing becomes mm. this big issue. So so if that's a big thing because of healthy eating, some, of, some parents, that just happens naturally. But eating healthily is a good thing. Talking about schools, what, what type of schooling do you want your child to be mm. involved in? That can become a big... Uh, source of contention sporting how much sport 
It's interesting you say that because you said that the kids are only allowed um, one sporting event just so you can have more time for family. I yep. thought that's a big call. That's good. Yeah. So we, in our family, we say one sport per term or per season. Yes. Because I've got three kids, so they each have then a practice or two, depending on the sport and the 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 game or whatever it might be or the match that they've got to be involved in. Um, if they do dance, I know uh, a lot of my friends whose girls are dancing or oh boys Lord, are dancing. don't even start. There's, there's days Ten. and days of, of practice. So it's really just about... <laughs> and then they go and charge you to watch your own child do it and, <laughs> and then you have to go and buy this video which has we've every other many, child on there. This is it's highway robbery, sorry. about the dancing. And so it's about, it's about children, knowing your children need downtime. Children yeah, absolutely good. need downtime. Uh, they, children are overscheduled. And wow. so we Say feel like again. we need Say to, children are overscheduled. We feel like they need, we need to organize play dates and every kind of sport and, and musical instruments and voice lessons and everything that's going. And actually our children end up exhausted. Mm. They need time just to be, time to just have mind wandering. It's very important for, for their brain. So things like that. Uh, the big ones at the moment are obviously the technology boundaries. Uh, so it's really some of you uh, as parents sitting down and saying, what are our big issues? Mm. What what are big things to you? Uh, and really trying to iron wow. those out and work those out. So is it kind of looking at the areas that you're, you're fighting in and sort yes. of then taking some time to say, okay, let's actually get some clarity yes. on what are our value systems and can we get on the same yes. page? What do we believe about chores? What do we believe about dating? What do, yeah. All those things. Oh, never. She can't date until she's 30. <laughs> We're on the same page with that. We're on the same page with that. Can I have one last question for me? Because you said have a parenting mantra for your family and ours is the Mullings family is a place where each person's unique gifts, talents and abilities can find full expression and full celebration. Beautiful. And I've never really thought, though, is there a way to... Because if sometimes I think the way to find out what their unique gifts, talents and abilities are is expose them to as many things as possible. So Jerry, our son, has tried soccer, he's tried drums, he's tried AFL. So all these different things, and none of them are really sticking apart from the music. And he's actually really clever uh, when it comes to maths and spelling, but he won't put effort in. Is there a way as but he's, a parent... But he's still got A's, even though he That's didn't hilarious. do homework all year. Genius. <laughs> he, wow. we're, we're not sure. Just he like definitely... Daddy. definitely doesn't get that from me, I'm telling you now. <laughs> but is there a way to be able to look at your kids and if you put the boundaries in so that they don't get overscheduled, is there a, like a little shortcut on how to discover something unique in them? What have you found to pull out the best in <laughs> No, there's no shortcut. But your kids do start to sh- um, show interests in certain things. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with exposing them to quite a few different things. But then you also need to allow them... Uh, or encourage them to stick with something at least for a year. They can't just do it for a month and go, eh, I'm bored now, I want to mm. do the next thing. I make my kids stick. <laughs> yeah, mm. I make them stick it out for a year because that's children good. need to push through and discover you don't get good at something just overnight. Yeah. Children need to learn getting good at something also takes work. Yeah. Even if it is your gift, you still have to work at it. So uh, that's still important for kids to do. But once you start to see things they love. My daughter, since little, has loved animals, my 15-year-old, and that's why I'm taking her to Africa with me. We're going back to the game parks. She has bred budgies. So there's little things that I've just noticed and explored a bit with her, and, and it's blossomed into something. So it's really just exploring your child, what their loves are, and just seeing where it goes. 
Colette, we will have to wrap it up there. We are out of time. I feel like we might have to get you back for a third one at some point. Because <laughs> Again, I've got more fabulous. questions. You are a wealth of knowledge. Thank you so much, Colette. Thank and, you for uh, having me. You can read more about Colette. She's got a brand new book coming out as well at ColetteSmart.com and find out where you can hear her in person. And, uh, hey, if this podcast has helped you today, we uh, would love you to share the love. Send share it Share the love because here's the thing, you know, sometimes we think that boundaries actually break us but we're finding boundaries actually build us because they allow us to become the person that we want to be and also with children so put the healthy ones in and to find out more again colettesmart.com thanks for listening thanks see ya thanks for listening to the Terence and Emma podcast all about relationships and seeing things differently if you liked it share the love and send it round and tune in again next time